Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 144. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Matt Vanini. Matt, are you feeling unstoppable today? I absolutely am feeling unstoppable today. <laughs> All right. Let me just give the listeners an overview of who you are, and then we'll get your story. Uh, Matt grew up in the restaurant industry and has been working in it for over 20 years. He has owned, operated, and sold three award-winning Italian restaurants, served as general manager and operations manager for Red Robins, and is an expert on restaurant management systems and technology. Today, he serves as founder and partner for Restaurant Solutions, Inc., which provides operational and financial management systems and training for owners and managers of independent, single, and multi-unit restaurants around the country. On top of all this, Matt serves as an adjunct professor for Johnson's and Wales University. And I mean, this is just a huge aerial view, Matt, of who you are and what you're all about. I can't wait to learn more. But before we do, I got to get you to share a success quote or mantra to get that motivational and inspirational ball rolling what you have for us. I think the, uh, the best mantra that we like to operate here uh, at RSI is one, you know, we don't build systems around people. We put people around systems. And in order to do that, the best way to live your life is taking ownership and accountability over your own actions. Mm, I love it. And I love how you put the emphasis on systems and people. I mean, I've learned one thing and it's that we need to make our restaurants into system dependent restaurants. But when you take amazing people and put them into system dependent restaurants, dude, you're unstoppable. So I mean, what do you want to say to that? Well, I have to agree with you there. I think that, you know, as technology becomes easier and easier to produce, you know, you can get a team of people in a, in a far off land to give you a very cool system, if you will, or mm-hmm. website or whatever. But if there's not an educational component, if, isn't, if, if it isn't for the people, if it isn't for the, 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 the people behind it to use the system to augment their thoughts, their beliefs, their feelings, and their successes, that's really what it's about, you know? Mm-hmm. The individual has to take the system should be designed so that a person can take ownership and accountability over what they're doing, and the system should allow that individual to trust and verify their behavior and verify not in a negative sense, but verify through education and through task completion or through success. I went from one restaurant to another, or I was able to spend time at my kid's game because my system is allowing me the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z for me and take care of my people at the same time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love how you tie in that importance of a semblance of balance between work and family and your life. I mean, so many times people, they share their failures and one of the most common failures, you know, people just don't split their time up well and their personal lives just fall apart. And uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll dive more into this topic, but yes, yeah, spot on. I love it. Yep. Awesome. So I kind of just gave a quick overview of who you are and uh, what you're up to these days. But why don't you kind of start by telling your story first with, you know, when you knew that this is more than just a job and going to become your career uh, in the restaurant business? Yeah. 
Well, I, you know, I think, I think like most individuals, I think the restaurant, the restaurant business or hospitality, I think it weaves a, a kind of funny, uh, funny path into most people's lives. You know, I think a very, very, a ton of people are enamored by it. Um, I think that, you know, they know somebody in it, mm-hmm. um, or they, everybody enjoys, you know, dining out. I mean, food, shelter, and belonging are your three basic needs. For me, um, I was born into it. You know, my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather, they all had restaurants and, uh, you know, and it was your typical, you know, it was your typical Italian restaurants on the East coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every, every, uh, you know, the holidays were spent in there and, uh, uh, you know, lots of everything was about the restaurant. It was, so, it was, it was like another family member. You know, it was it was all contained there. So, you know, I despite my best attempts at trying to uh, have a completely different career after college, um, it weaved its way right back into my own world. And uh, I realized that I had an opportunity to to build a very small, unique brand uh, in, a, in, a, in a place in central Washington, Washington state. And uh, it was a great way to get started. I was very, very grateful for the individuals that were small, uh, small minded, small business minded, rather, mm-hmm. um, that that really gave us a leg up, or else I couldn't have done it, and uh, and desi- and decided that I had a knack for it. So I, I got involved, started to do it, um, hit some success at a at a pretty early age in my career. Um, you know, by the time I was twenty seven. I think we had three restaurants, a full catering company going and, um, and, you know, and that's where, where I started to realize very quickly that, you know, you're spending all your time with this new family member <laughs> in the restaurant <laughs> yeah. and, and not with the people that are that, that are the ones that are most important to you. At that time too, I had a three month old and I just knew there was a higher calling for, um, you know, I wanted to. I love the restaurant business. It was in my blood, but I knew there had to be a better way to do it. And I knew that other people had to be experiencing the same issues that I was experiencing in that business. And what I mean by that is, success. I, I learned very quickly that success wasn't defined by my bank account only. Um, it was, in fact, that was kind of the caboose and not the and not the engine of the train. Um, and and I realized that the true success would have been owning my own time. And, and, and every time that I went to reach out to individuals to, to, for assistance, I would hear about their kid's golf game or I would hear about baseball mm. or I would hear about something else. And then I would get hit by two, you know, $250 an hour so that they could give me regurgitated Excel sheets and try to teach me how to walk on water. Well, there was nothing educational about that relationship. So I really started on a quest at that point. I stayed in the business and started on a quest at that point to really weave education and ownership and accountability into the business. Um, fortunately for me, I had sold those restaurants to a larger group, and I went to work at Corporate Red Robin in the late 90s as uh, as they were going public. And I worked for a, a, just an absolutely amazing guy in Mark Egan, and uh, and he really uh, he, he shared a lot of the same values that I did. Um, and I got to see how a money-making machine worked. And it wasn't working because they were buying chicken breasts for 30% less than everybody else. It was working because they could take a kid who was 21, 22 years old, plunk him down in a $3 million restaurant, and they would have a triangle balance. They would make decisions based on this methodology of being good for the guest, good for the team, and making money. Mm -hmm. So if you were going to do something in that business and it didn't pass how it was going to be good for that guest – or how it was going to be good for your teammates, or how it was going to be good for profit, then that decision didn't get made. So it was really, it was a very militaristic way 
of being able to run a restaurant that really bought you a lot of time and it bought you the ability to stay proactive. So all of these things were generating in my mind at the time. And, um, and then serendipitously, I, uh, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, um, I ended up meeting my business partner, uh, Blair and his father, Les, and they were in Colorado and they had an accounting system for restaurants. And, um, and I hit Blair up with this concept of a management system front end to augment the accounting system. And, uh, and the, and the management system was designed to really put the ownership and accountability onto the managers at the store level. Now on the surface, that seems like it would buy them less time. Well, really what it did was it gave them that ownership and accountability to make the, to understand that the decisions that they were already making, that they had the why factor behind it. Why were they making these decisions in the first place? And in order to augment them and teach them how to, to understand what why was, we educated them. Mm. So simply put, boom, you give, them, you give them a system, you give them the education, you hold them accountable, and what do you think happened? Restaurants started making money and managers started having lives. Yeah, I love it. And it kind of reminds me to, uh, of Danny Meyer's words when he says, you know, our our line staff, our servers, our uh, our kitchen people, like their job is to create win-win situations for themselves and the guests. And our job as managers or owners is to provide them with the tools. And that's kind of what I'm hearing with you. And that sounds like that's what happened. You know, you give your team those tools to be successful by putting in these systems, by giving them the technologies, and then you just let magic happen. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, except for I'd like to replace magic with, you know, I, I t- I've been telling people for years, it, it, it's amazing what an individual can do provided that they're in the, in the right environment. And, you know, and, 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 you know, the restaurant managers for a, a, a lot of part, you know, I think it's become much, much more professional and much more organized through the, through the universities now, especially, you know, at Johnson and Wales or Metro state um, or the hospitality schools. But, you know, when you, when you are holding somebody accountable for their behavior and you're able to encourage them and they're seeing their own, their own information coming through, it's amazing how they take hold of it. Mm. You know, there's a little, there's, there's, there's a little organization called the United States Army that kind of does it the same <laughs> way. And, and, and it's called Go No Go. They are not allowed to move forward until they have demonstrated a conceptual understanding and a tactical understanding of, of the activity that's placed in front of them. RSI works very similar to that, right? And the biggest compliment that I have is when I see managers that started off, whether they started off as kitchen managers or chefs um, in the back of the house or a front house managers, a bar host manager, or even a general manager, a rookie GM, right? When I see them progress through their careers and I see them now owning a restaurant, I'm just, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's like I could see a teacher and one of their kids achieving some great deal of success, personal success, whatever it is. It's the pride that you feel. And that's what I think that we do really, really well. Awesome. And I, I'm going to put a break in there because I'm, I love it when I interview people and they start answering my questions as I go. Like I wrote down uh, success question mark because you said when you were 27, you achieved success. And then you define success as, you know, owning your own time. And I think that was really cool. But then I also wrote down, you said you, you were going to chase your higher calling. Now, I'm going to go on a, a stretch here and say, I mean, if you could – in one sentence, say your higher calling, would it maybe be, like you just said, progress uh, or help others progress through their career? Is that what you would say your highest higher calling is now? Yeah, I, I mean, 
my entire vision for when Blair and I got together back in 2000, uh, 2001, rather, when we got together, I said to Blair, I said, the only thing I want to do is I want to give people options. I want to provide them with enough education that they have the options to do what they want to do in their lives. If they want to stay in these careers, then they're going to do it at their option. If they are going to leave this career or own their own restaurant, they're going to do it at their option. And the option was defined by education. Mm-hmm. I my entire role is to provide enough education to an individual that's using our systems and our services so that they can own their options. Awesome. I love it, man. And I kind of think this is a good segue into the next topic, which is your it factors. Um, what would you say your it factors are? If you could like limit it or narrow it down to like three it factors, what would they be? <laughs> well, and, and my it factor for me personally you know, I always tell people it's use your powers for good, not evil. You know, if for some reason that I knew a lot about a very narrow sliver of life in the restaurant business, it would be remiss to me not to be relentless in teaching in, in teaching and educating others so that they can pursue their own goals and their own dreams. Awesome. I love it. And it's funny because I, I almost said something before, but I, I've noticed time and time again, these successful people like you who come on the show so many times their their it factors, these characteristics or their habits or whatever it is about them is so often just their desire to help others progress in their careers and help people get to that next level and educate and grow individuals. And I hear that coming from you and it's really powerful. I mean, do you have any other it factors or habits you want to share with us? You know, I mean, I don't think any that are, are, are relative for the broadcast, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I think the, I think the other thing that I've, that, that, that I've developed over the years. Uh, you know, somebody used to say to me years ago that, you know, you used to hear patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. Um, I think that, you know, without a really good business partner and a lot of patience, I think that it, it's probably an uphill battle. So I think the it factor for me would be the benefit of having a really, really, you know, my best friend for my business partner and a lot of patience on both of our sides so that you can really vet out ideas. Because so many times when you hear competition coming or when you something, you know, you get something thrown at you in the heat of the battle and you're like, oh, I, I want to go do this or I want to go chase this. It's really good and cathartic. To have a somebody so close to you that you trust that you can make decisions with, and b um, to have the patience that when they come back with something that might be so counterintuitive to what your belief is, that you can let it ride. Mm-hmm. So that's an it factor that was developed over time: patience and a really darn good business partner. Awesome, yeah. And I have those two plus your ability, the power to do good by teaching and helping grow others. I mean, if you could take one of these it factors, Matt, <laughs> and apply them to a story, because here at Restaurant Unstoppable, we learn through stories and uh, where these it factors really shown through. So can you bring us to a time where one of these it factors really just help you get to that next level with the story? Oh, I got to see, I got to see these stories. All right, oh, man. Give me a good one. Yeah. Well, here's, you know, let's talk about use your powers for good, not evil. All right. So, you know, and, and educating and educating, right. Mm-hmm. We've got, so we've got roughly 1100 restaurants spread around the country. Trust me, if there's a bad decision out there, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and by the way, there is a narrow, narrow thread like line between a really good decision and a really bad decision. Mm-hmm. All right. So what there's a scenario that we see on a regular basis. It's called the trifecta of fools. Three individuals, usually guys, they get together, right? It's one guy who's made a little bit of money somewhere. His buddy, 
right, who really hasn't done anything since high school or college. And the third individual is their bartender, right? And these three guys get together and they decide it's going to be cool to open up a bar, all right? Well, needless to say, it's like a messed up game of Survivor. Within usually 90 to 120 days, there's a lawsuit or somebody's pointing fingers and there's usually a, a, an arbitration that needs to occur. Well, when you want to apply the it factor, right, of education to these guys, right, first you got to get them over their pride. So you've got to be, you know, sometimes educating somebody means breaking them down. So I think we, what we do really well is we take these individuals or we take individuals that have an enormous amount of pride because they have, a, they have what they consider to find success in another industry and we have to break them down, hold them accountable, and we have to re-educate them in, as to why. They are doing what they are doing in this business. What I love about this is that we see what we consider to be a uh, – we call it the epiphany. Mm-hmm. And they can actually look at a financial statement and relate to us why and how that financial statement came to be. You can take that story that I just told you and you can apply it to at least every neighborhood bar, one neighborhood bar in your neighborhood in just about any place in, in the continental U.S., I mean, you're giving us great advice, but can you bring us down to a moment? Make it personal. Like, give us a story of when these trifecta of fools came together and how you helped them get through it with education. Can you think of a specific time without using names? Uh, Like, bring us through that moment and what you were feeling, what they were feeling, and how you came through and how you came out the other end. Yeah, I mean, without using names, I mean, you know, I got a bar down the street that I I love to go to. I mean, the, the, the kid is incredibly creative. Right. He loves cars and he builds this place that is basically it's 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 absolutely wickedly branded how he's done it. I mean, using carburetors for for beer taps. Um, I mean, just absolutely great. But this kid has been in the industry for 15 years. He's been a bartender up and down the block. He's got an investor that's behind him who is a very high-level investor from um, from a from a large industry. And they Next thing I know, I've got the investor that is is hammering me because this kid is too busy trying to play the cool well, – I wouldn't say the cool guy, but he, he's, he's very social mm. and he loves to drink and he loves to drink while he's working. Mm. And you know, and next thing you know, people would say, well, how does your system – how is your system going to cure this? Well, sometimes when I'm sitting there and I'm pleading with an individual that, hey, everybody sitting at your bar top isn't – they should be the ones that are paying, right? Any, my dad used to tell me this, and, 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 if you, and if you hear anything, hear this. Anybody who's truly your friend will never ask for a free drink, mm-hmm. right? So sitting down with this individual and having to prove to him that every person sitting on the other side of the bar top was only there because he was pumping them full of shots while he was taking shots. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I got his money guy on my back, right, if rightly so, using me as a way to say, hey, look – we're going we're, we're becoming insolvent here so really having to take this individual and break him down and and it came down to saying look you got 30 days you got to go 30 days without drinking and in 30 days and watching what he did and his transformation in 30 days because he did do it by the way mm. and successfully complete that I went into I went into his restaurant the other or his bar the other day it didn't even look like the same place it was clean the chair legs were clean there were I mean it was 
the the outside had been power washed. He was taking much. He was taking the pride and ownership that he always talked about having. He was actually doing, and that was the biggest thing that was so cool to me. Was it was no more crap talking. He really he got out of his personal way, put his pride on the shelf, and then he made the moves. Oh, and go figure. He ended up making a profit for that month too. Awesome. I mean, I love this example you're giving us. And I think that's a great example because so many times when people go into a restaurant with their friends or other partners, they do run into a circumstance like this where one person might be slipping a little bit. And what advice do you have, Matt, for somebody who is experiencing this? Like, how would you, um, and what advice would you give to approach that person if you, because you were able to come in, you know, the investor spoke to you and you did the work of approaching this person, but we don't always have that luxury of having a, you know, an outside party coming in to, to speak to people. So, I mean, if we're in a situation like you kind of encountered and we don't have somebody like you to come in and do the talking, like, how would you say we should approach somebody struggling? Well, when you say we, do you mean other individuals at work? With yeah. You? So say I'm one of the, you know, I have a partner, right? And he's, he's slipping. Like, how would I yeah. ap- approach this bartender if I was his partner and say, hey, look, this is what we're up against. Like, how do you, because it's sensitive. You don't want to go pointing fingers well, and, you know, accusing people. What, what, how would you approach that? Well, if you think that's sensitive, think about bankruptcy. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's, you know, here's the deal. At the end of the day, there, 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 there's a couple, there's a couple pagan gods that we all pray to in the restaurant business. One is the IRS, the other is Department of Revenue, mm-hmm. right? And the third is is Department of Labor, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and, and eventually you're going to run into one, if not all three. Mm-hmm. So if you're making poor life choices, and poor life choices constitute this, just because you control the schedule doesn't mean you get to sleep with the host. Number two, just because you control the schedule doesn't mean you get to wreck people's lives when they piss you off. Mm-hmm. Number three, right? The alcohol is for the patrons, not for you. All right? And number four, you're hungover and you've got a bad day. That's your problem, not anybody who's around you. All right? So my point about those simple things are if I'm, in, if I'm if I have a partner – who is doing those things and I don't say anything, well, then I might as well just say I'm happy with going bankrupt because eventually that's exactly where you're going to go. Or you're definitely getting yourself into a harassment suit because nowadays everything is everything's out there. Tweets are out there. Text messages are out there. Um, I mean, it, it, you can't, there is no clandestine behavior. Right. And nobody is your friend. Yeah. Not to the, po- not to the point where they're going to, where they're going to cover up for you in bad behavior. So mm-hmm. long answer to an easy question, point the bow of your ship right into the wave and take it head on because Absolutely. that is the only way to deal with it. Then if you're, if, if your business partner or the individual that's creating that is not willing to make those changes, well then I, then young blood, you got to put your money where your mouth is and you got to go because nobody, this is, you don't have Stockholm syndrome. All mm-hmm. right. Once you realize that that door is open and that person's not going to make those changes, well, I'm sorry. You just need to distance yourself because you'll go down with them. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you can just call it tough love. I mean, you are you love this person enough to be able to say something to them. I mean, that's, I mean if, if this person is that important to the operation, that important to you, then you owe it to yourself and to this person to speak up. I mean, that's how I would look at it, and that's, I think, a good way to approach it. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's seen enough interventions on TV. There's yeah. a fine line between an intervention based on heroin and an intervention based on poor decision making. <laughs> yeah. I hear you, man. All In right. Fact, yeah. Awesome. So. I love it. Well, I mean, we're getting great stuff from you. We have you, you the story that you gave us, an awesome example of how your if factors contributed to the success of uh, some people that really needed your help. But now tell us about a time. Matt, where you just failed hard and fell on your ass but with a mistake. I mean, bring us down to the moment of the mistake that was made and how you felt and what happened and what you learned from this experience. 
oh, I got an easy one for you. All right. The success I achieved early um, was replaced by the uh, <laughs> replaced by the poor decision making that I just laid out. You know, when you're you know you're 29 years old, you've got a small kid, and you're spending all your time with the the individuals who come into your restaurant, and you're not getting home and spending it with your family because you're under the delusional guise that if you don't spend time with these individuals, your restaurant is going to become the flavor of the month, and it, you won't be the, the favorite flavor. Mm-hmm. So I found myself not spending my time doing the, not spending the time nurturing the people who 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 should have been nurtured the most. And next thing I know, I'm sitting down with my business partner and I'm getting the speech that, Hey, you're, you're detrimental to this business and you're not, and you're not helping this business. So why don't we break up? And I found myself at 29 years old, you know, without a couple million dollars worth of restaurants sitting there going, with my only choice facing me that I was going to go sell out quote unquote to a corporate group and, you know, as a way of just making sure that my child was taken care of. So I was stripped of everything that I thought was important to me. And I found myself literally sitting in a room going, how did I get here? And Oh my God, it's never going to happen again. And how did I fail? And really breaking, just being emotionally torn apart and then realizing that all that that was for me was the best ass-kicking reminder that I would ever get that use your powers for good, not evil. Mm. So let's rewind a little bit. So you said that you're spending too much time uh, with work and not family? Oh, I mean, look, let me cut it down for you in the simplest sense, right? You're young and you have – and especially I think nowadays it's even more prevalent because you know the Food Network makes demigods out of, out of people. Mm-hmm. So I think now there's so much out there that can really take an individual and, sensual, and, and sensationalize them. I think that what happens is you get a lot of ex, exterior influences. And I'm not talking about – I'm not talking about getting hammered with your patrons or making – really overt poor life choices. But look, here's the deal. You know, you've got you if, if for me personally, if I'm working at a restaurant 80 hours a week or 70 hours a week, you know, people wear that like a badge. There's two things about the restaurant business that people will always say. Number one, they'll always tell me that they that they started their first job waiting tables or bussing at 13, right? And I always laugh when I say that, or when I hear them say that because I know it's not true. The second thing is you know, that they all work. Oh, I, I work 70 hours a week. I work 80 hours a week. Well, here's the deal. If you're working 70 or 80 hours a week, I guarantee you that many of those hours are spent after nine or 10 o'clock at night when you're out boozing with your patrons, mm-hmm. right? You're not where you should be. You're not recharging yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. You're not with your family. You're not, you're, you're more tactical and less intellectual, mm-hmm. right? That's where I was. Okay, I, I see the big picture now. And then that's when your partner said, hey, man, cut the crap or you're out of here. And that's kind of, is that kind of what happened there? Uh, yeah, I'm giving you guys a, 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 a lighter version of it. But okay. yeah, you know, my, so let me, let me back up. My, my partner at the time was also my wife's brother. Okay. So there was, we, had a, we had a family thing oh. involved. And, and he was 100% right. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it took me a decade to realize that um, after I got over my own pride and ego. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, so if you could just summarize real quick what the biggest takeaway from this failure was. Oh, the, the, 
like I said, the, I think the biggest the biggest takeaway for me was was crystal clear, and it really reshaped the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was you can be the smartest guy in the room, you can have all the recipes, you can have the lineage, you can have everything that everyone wants to market. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be gregarious, you can be all of that, but none of it, none of it matters if you are not truly convicted in doing the right thing for other people. Most people think that building their business, it, 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 you, there's, a, there's a fine point when you achieve certain amount of success where you think that you are the sole provider of that success or the sole creator of that success. It, it's your ego talking. Mm-hmm. And I think that what that did for me is that took that monster and said, you're done. You're out. You know, success is achieved by a team, right? It's perpetuated by good faith to your clients and good faith to the people that work with you. And you're rewarded by your time and the love that the people that are closest to you feel for you. That's it in a nutshell. That's what I look (laughs) Awesome stuff, man. You're dropping gold on us right now. Thank you. Um, We have reached the part of the interview, my favorite part of the interview, where you just drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. It's a speed round. Are you ready to drop these bombs? Yeah, let's give it a (laughs) little. All right, let's do it. The first question I have for you, Matt, is what is your advice for funding a restaurant and getting that initial capital to get started? Um, I just did an article on this. In fact, I just did a blog on this on our on our website. Um, I think, very simply put, whoever you're getting your money from, don't sell your soul for that money. Mm. That's it in a nutshell. Don't sell your soul. Dive deeper into that. I mean, give us some okay. more details. So, very simply put, I see this all the time. People will borrow money from everybody. They'll get it from in-laws. They'll get it from uh, home equity loans on their houses. Uh, but what what, a, what typically what people will do is they'll create these convoluted payback schedules that will include trade. All right. So they'll say, okay, Eric, I just borrowed a hundred grand from you. You can come into my restaurant. You can bring all your friends in, and you can eat and drink for free. Well, what happens is basically you just. I I just built a restaurant for you and your buddies. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they don't track any of this payback. And and, and then the investors will come in on a Friday night at 7. They'll take up key tables. And, you know, and they're not doing it to be mean, but they're doing it because they were told they could do it. So I see crazy type – trade accounts and investor payback rules that will absolutely debilitate and break a restaurant. You got – you can't sell your soul. You Mm -hmm. can't – high interest loans – Every credit card company out there is tied into um, guys that do very high interest type of funding and they pay back through the credit cards. Those things will kill you in a second. They will kill you in a second. Anybody who sits on your doorstep and says, I'll give you $40,000 and all you got to do is let me have your credit card processing, there is a reason that it's so easy. Mm. So Yeah, no, dead on. I think it's so easy to get sucked into those circumstances being so well, passionate. Yeah, the money. Having, yeah, you know, we're just – People in this industry are passionate, man. They'll do whatever it takes. They're workers, and they think they can tackle anything, but they they just, you know, sometimes our strengths aren't on the financial end, and we don't really have that big picture of exactly what we're getting ourselves into. So I can see that being a trap. Yeah, you you know, like I said, I'll boil it down to simple things. If you're going to borrow the money, you got to make sure the money works for the restaurant, not for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and what I mean by that is, if you if you if you're going to if you if you want to do a restaurant and you're doing this and you don't have a you don't have a budget. You're, you're, you know, that's kind of like slamming 12 beers and driving backwards on the freeway, right? <laughs> you've got to have a budget. You've got to know what you can afford in order to get the money in the first place because that will help you, that will guide you into getting the right kind of money for your business. And it's out there. Trust me, people will invest in you 
right? And you don't have to sell the farm in order to get them to believe in you. They're sitting in front of you because they believe in you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Where's the best place to send our listeners to learn more about how to build up that budget and to educate yourself on that topic? Can you think of anything? Well, yeah. I mean, selfishly speaking, go to my website, go to restack.com and go to our blog posts and our articles. And we also have tools on there as far as budget builders, um, break-even analysis, and uh, you can you can uh, reach out to any of us at any time. All right. Send me some links to that, Matt. I'll have them in the show notes. Great. All right. The next question I have for you, Matt, what advice do you have for hiring good people? I mean, how do you surround yourself with these incredible people that you talk about? You know, there's an old there's an old adage that uh, that uh, Mark Egan told me from uh, Red Robin, and I and I live by it today. Is you know you hire for attitude and you train for skill. Mm-hmm. And I think very you know without getting too uh, verbose. I think that's it. If you've got an individual who's got a great attitude and, you know, you've got a, a, a certain degree of common sense when you, when you meet somebody, you know, obviously you're going to do a, if you're going to do a background check on them, you look for the majors, right? The major issues that are no stop that are showstoppers, but don't be so hung up on the fact that somebody doesn't have all the skill that you're looking for because an attitude will outweigh that skill 10 out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. You know, so many times I think people say, well, you know, they want to look for experience because I feel like they're almost cutting corners. They don't want to put the work into developing this person. And really at the end of the day, that's what our job is uh, as a manager, as you know, a a supervisor and owner to develop these people and to give them the tools to create those skills so they can show off those great attitudes. You know what? I love your your positioning on that statement is 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 wickedly brilliant. I, I think you're right on point. Um, just to digress for a second, you know anybody out there right now that is still calling their front of the house waiters and waitresses, they 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 need to take that phrase and they need to put it somewhere and never you know never use it again. They are sales associates. The front of the house is sales associates, and I think one of the biggest issues is that people are doing exactly what you say. What, what you just mentioned, they are, they're bringing in individuals and they want somebody who has skill so that they can take the lead server, right? Cause they're still calling them servers and they're, and they're just saying, okay, you train them for five days and make sure they're proficient. The point is we're not servers. We're not waiters. We're not waitresses. They're sales associates because what they're doing is they're taking a manufactured product that they have to have a conceptual understanding and a marketability and know how to merchandise that product and they're presenting it to a guest. Mm-hmm. The minute you start looking at an individual in those terms, especially for the front of the house, you realize that you have to put some more care and time and statistics into that person in order to get the results that you want. Mm-hmm. I hear you, man. All awesome stuff. So when we get these great people, we hire the right, we hire for attitude. How do we keep these people on our team as valuable teammates? I think, you know, I've read a ton of articles on it and I've seen, you know, my, my best clients all seem to do the same several things. Number one, they're, they are, and I think this one above anything else, they're consistent in their behavior. Mm-hmm. All right. Great restaurants are consistent with their behavior. And what I mean by that is little things. They don't promise somebody 40 hours and only give them 20. All right. Mm-hmm. They don't promise them, you know, PM closing shifts and then they wind up working AM lunch right? They are consistent. They say what they do and they do what they say, right? Um, it's a, once again, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's a consistent environment. It isn't, uh, oh, one manager does it this way and the other manager does it this way. It isn't, oh, um, go ahead and tell me that and don't write it down. And then for another person, you got to write it down. It isn't, you know, I hate to say it, but individuals want consistency as much as money. And one breeds the other. 
What's your best advice for building a consistent environment? Uh, my best advice is honestly, it's it's coming out of the gate strong. It's making sure that all the paperwork and the documentation is set up right up front. And number two, that you uh, increase the, your team members' awareness. I mean, one of the one of the things that I that I see on a regular basis that I love is that once a quarter, um, a lot of our clients will turn around and they will have all team meetings where they will share the financial position of the restaurant to a certain degree, right? I'm not talking about balance sheet work, but I'm talking about, you know, operational education and not in a way that is so over their head, but it breaks it down for the individual so that they can show how their efforts and their activities are relating to a bigger picture, mm. right? Um, I, I think that restaurants that do that, that incorporate them, only, I mean, they're creating leaders for the future. They're, they're, they're taking the individual that might be on the fence that maybe took a quarter off from a community college or college. And they're saying, okay, Hey, look, let's get some OTJ for you. You know, let's, let's, let's incorporate you here. Let's spur that knowledge. Did you so say that, OTJ? Yeah. On the job training. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. No, you're good. So, you know, I think that, you know, so I, once again, being consistent and 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 getting them into the story, weaving them into the bigger picture of the restaurant. You know, there's oh god, I see this all the time. Individuals will turn around and they'll create these stupid happy hours, right? <laughs> they just create these insane happy hours, and 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 because somewhere in an office or they saw it on the Food Network, they saw this thing and they think it's a great idea and it's completely misappropriate for the restaurant, right? Okay. And then and then the servers aren't selling it. Right, yeah. and it's funny. I I just said don't use the word servers, and I keep doing it. The, the The reason that they they weren't they aren't selling it is because they they weren't incorporated into the decision making process. There was no ownership and accountability. Right, mm-hmm. just, just taking the nachos and putting them at half price between four and six and ten o'clock and two o'clock in the morning is not going to make your restaurant great. What's going to do it? I think what's going to do it is I think number one, it's coming up with some really creative items. That are going to first of all, you got to decide whether you're going to put butts in seats or you're driving sales because you can't do both. Yeah. All right. So if let's say for example it's a butts in seats. If it's butts in seats, I'm going to grab all my salespeople and I'm going to say, look, the purpose of this process is to really build build our brand awareness. Here's our goal. Let's keep a very simple stated goal. Number two, here's how you can contribute to the goal from my perspective. Do you agree or what other things do you think that you can do to contribute to that goal? Number three, here's the Pepsi challenge. All right. If you guys can do this and we can increase our guest counts, have a very definable end, regu- end result or, um, or benchmark that you can be measured. Every, every hill that you hike or every mountain that you hike has an ending, has a peak. So determine what that peak is going to be. We're going to increase our guest counts by 15 or 20% to this number. When you reach that, you celebrate that. You absolutely have to grab everybody who contributed to that, and you have to celebrate that. And it doesn't necessarily look like me throwing you a bunch of money, mm-hmm. all right? It could be, you know, you did a trade with a you did a trade with an entertainment center, and you took everybody out to play vintage video games. You, you know, be creative. Yeah. So that's I love what, it. That's where I would go. Awesome, man. Every once in a while, I let you know the, the topic run a little bit when I feel like our guests are just dropping gold on us, and that's just what happened. I mean, great advice, awesome stuff. And you said um, you know, the first thing to do is to document it. I mean, if you could, you know, and that was the, your answer to how to create that consistency, if you're listening at home and you're struggling with this, I mean, what's the first thing you would suggest to these people, the first thing that should be documented, if you could just say one thing that will have the biggest impact? Handbook. 
Awesome. Love it. Great stuff, man. Um, All right. We have to move on to the next question. Uh, And that topic is on resources. I mean, one of my my goals, one of my purposes with this podcast is to extract knowledge and resources to find out where you went, what books you've read to get all the knowledge you have (laughs) so we can go there and have that same knowledge. So if you could recommend like a couple books for us, Matt, what would they be? Oh, gosh. I mean, I... Oh, you just stunned me. I, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, you know what? I'm probably going to take a different approach from most of from most of your guests. Um, you know, it doesn't I, have to be a book. It can be an online resource or a magazine, anything. Well, I still think you, you know. Remember, I did, I couldn't find any resources, which is why I created. You know, <laughs> I met Blair and we created RSI. So I think at the I think at the end of the day, I think um, you know, book of yields. You know, and I know every everybody who's back of the house is probably cheering right now, and everybody who's front of the house is like, "What's that?" Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if if you if you aren't effectively costing your recipes, and you'll never understand how to merchandise those, then I think at the end of the day, you're you're sunk. And the other one, which is not a hospitality book in any way, shape, or form in in its in its design, but it can be used very well. For hospitality is it's called spin selling and it's by Eric Rathcom and it is an awesome, awesome book. Um, and because we are all selling in the business, it is a wonderful book at showing people how to really interact with their potential clients and build better rapport. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to build a, if you're going to build a, a, a winning brand, I think that that is a, uh, I think it's a wonderful book for employees. Awesome. And those two books, uh, Book of Yields and Spin Selling, I'll have those in the show notes. Thank you. Those are both first-time mentions on the show. And a little bit more on Book of Yields, is that just how to manage the numbers and how to quantify everything back of house? Well, book of the house is all it's it's all the it's all the conversions. It's a it's a math heavy book. Okay. Right? <laughs> you know, it's all the conversions for every product that's out there. And if you're gonna, you know, and, and since what we do is sell product and we procure product and that product has yields and shelf lives, you, you without that without that book, right, mm-hmm. you're you know, I mean you're pushing a snowball up Everest. Yeah, it's huge. I always refer back to the E myth, but you know, the first you know, he he says it breaks down to three things, you know, uh, innovation, quantification, orchestration. And that second part, that quantification, how to put numbers to everything you're doing is so critical. And I think that's kind of what I'm hearing from this book. Yeah. I mean, you know, back of the house drives the engine, mm-hmm. you know, you can, I see people all the time, you know, I mean, he's a very simple example, right? We talked about happy hour, right? Mm-hmm. There's an old joke in the, in the industry and the old joke says, what's the difference between happy hour items and, and regular and, and regular menu items? It's the size of the plate. Mm. Right, meaning that people will still put the same amount of product, even though they're charging, let's call it half or a third as much, right? Mm-hmm. And so once you, and the reason that they do that is because they're trying to drive value. Well, you can't drive value with no concept of cost and margin. Mm-hmm. So everything that we do starts with cost and margin, right? Yep. And that's how to merchandise it. Secondary, and I see, and 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 you know, we bring on roughly twenty-five to thirty restaurants a month. Of those restaurants that we bring on, all right. I will tell you that eight out of 10 of them, and some of them are hugely successful restaurants, do not cost out their menus. Wow. It's nuts. And do you have any resources on how to learn that you can share with us before we move on? Well, you know, all roads are going to lead to one website for me. All right. I'll try to get some links for that specific topic from you too. All right. All right. So the next question I have for you is on the topic of marketing. What advice do you have 
for us in regards to marketing? If you can just summarize or just give us one big nugget. Um, I think great social media, consistent social media would be your best, would be your best marketing play. Okay. What is great social media? Um, I think number one, so here's what we see. Number one, great social media is understanding what your brand is. It one, if you don't, so many people get out there and they just tweet to tweet or they get on Facebook just to get on Facebook. You have to understand what your brand is and you have to be consistent with that message, right? Mm -hmm. You, you own a restaurant that is geared towards one segment of the, of the market, but that you're tweeting or you're, you know, Facebooking to another segment, that's just, it's, it's going to create confusion. And I see this happen a lot. Um, number two, consistently, right? It's not about frequency. It's about consistency in time. All right. So many people will get started and they'll blast. And I see this with brand new restaurants. They'll blast out a ton of things right off the bat and then they'll turn around and you'll get nothing in about 12 weeks. I think that does more to hurt your business than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather see less frequency, but greater amount of time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I love how you mentioned Brandon. One of the things I've learned uh, from interviewing all these Indies, and keep in mind, we do focus on the Indie. One of the things I love about this in this industry is like, if you really want to be successful, just be yourself and know who you are and know what you're trying to do. Don't go chase trends. Don't go try to be something. Be someone, and that brand name becomes a whole lot easier. What do you have to say about that? I, I once again, I think this is the you know you're hitting for the cycle. Um, yeah. It's it's a wonder. So many times. In this industry, we start chasing because what happens is you you see somebody open up down the street and you and you lose your mind because they do one thing that's slightly different than you mm -hmm. and, and you start reading press about them, you start hearing about them, and you freak out and you know and, and I think we all do that because it's just not natural to be on top a hundred percent of your career. It isn't going to happen. So it's having that patience that we talked about. It's sticking to your guns and also talking to your guests. Man, if you don't talk to your guests and you don't find out what they like and what they don't like, right, then you've got then, – then, then you're just – you're making decisions in a bubble. And when I say talking to your guests, I'm going to put a big asterisk on that too. I don't mean talking to your guests that get on Yelp, right? Remember, Yelp terrorists are not your guests, all right? Yelp terrorists are not the people that you want to go and you want to listen to. The people that you want to listen to are the people that are coming into your business that you have built a rapport with. Right. Mm. Those are the individuals that are going to give you the best and most honest feedback. I love it. And I have a, a little trick, a little trick of the trade, a tool that's out there. We're going to save that for the next question. And I'll come back to this. But now we've got to talk about technologies. And you're somebody who has a vast knowledge of the different technologies that are out there, things we can leverage to you know, implement systems, processes, and just to have a tight operation. So if you could suggest a few technologies someplace – or some things we can implement, plug into our business, whether front or back of house, what would they be and why? Um, I think, so here's what I see, right? We see right now, a like I said before, technology is really, really easy to mm -hmm. build, right? So we see a lot of technology that's out there that's designed for single purposes, Right, whether it's a scheduling program designed for scheduling, and then it, you know, or whether it's a um, loyalty program built for loyalty, right? There's got to be the why factor that goes with it. And what I mean by that is, none of that matters if there isn't an individual or a or, or, or human beings that are behind it that help hold somebody accountable, teach them why, and then celebrate their successes. So, in a very global sense, 
right? You've got to look for technology that has some form of why factor. There's an old saying in the business. People don't hate their POS system. They hate the POS company, mm-hmm. right? And, the, and, and, and frankly speaking, that was because there wasn't the why factor. You'd set it up. You'd, you'd start using it. And then every time you had a question, there was no educational component that went with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that on a grand scale. If you're looking for a, um, if you're looking for a company that we see that's out there that people love using, I think that they it's it's all over the board. But I think the ones that they live with the most are the ones that help them with a the why factor. I will say this: for bigger restaurants, ACA is no joke. Right, it's no joke, and it's constantly changing. And the problem is, remember what I said about those, the, the IRS, DOR, and uh, and DOL. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that finding a great company that that can help you navigate through those waters if you are susceptible to it, because they're because you need the why. The reporting only gets you into the game. The why helps you understand and manage your business properly. I think finding a good ACA company. Um, we're working with a company out of San Diego called. Uh, uh, navigate HCR, and so far they've been solid gold for us. And uh, for those people at home who are like me and don't know what ACA is, <laughs> what does that stand for? Affordable health care. And okay. uh, yeah, and sorry, it's, uh, I was thinking. Yeah, okay, it's going no, back to me. My bad. No, my bad. I should. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah, I, I we live that world every day, and it's so um, the, the the hardest part. The hardest part about ACA is understanding the financial impact that it's going to have on the business. And, you know, the, the, the doom and gloom people, mm-hmm. you know, will tell you that, you know, their businesses, they're not making any money and now they've got to provide health care for people. You know, if you work with a company that can, that can really take your numbers, break it down to show you what the tangible impact is, it buys you the options that we've been talking about all morning. It buys you those options so that you can make the best decisions for your business. The crazy part about the restaurant business, Eric, is it's like this it's like this balance, but it, instead of having just two sides, it's got eight sides. Mm-hmm. And every time you put a little bit more weight on one of the arms, the other seven then start to shift and they start to move. So it's understanding and having somebody that's looking out over your shoulders to, to number one, show you what arm to start to move, and number two, how much weight to put on that arm. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the company you'd mentioned that you've seen doing like uh, this? Navigate HCR. Navigate HCR. Are they restricted to a single geographic? No, no, no. They're nationwide. They're out of San Diego. All right, beautiful. I'll have those links in the show notes. First time mentioned. You're getting a bunch of first times, man. I'm loving this. Right. Uh, Restaurant Softball is loving you right now. So one thing I want to mention, you're talking about talking to your guests and one tool I've discovered in doing these interviews is called hum. And it's a way to survey your guests into it's, it's no, it's, it's basically the survey box evolved into a tablet system where you can just track and record the service and to find out and to talk, like you said, to your guests and to, to get that information. It's a really powerful tool. And that's something that I, th- I thought was worth mentioning in this part of the interview. Do you, are you familiar with it? Yeah, that's uh, Robert, Robert Irvine's invested in, in hum. Yes. I, I had a chance to meet the 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 gentleman that that started the company i uh i had a chance to meet with him last time i was in austin texas and uh briggs uh yes that's who it was good dude yeah and uh they seem like they got a great thing going and robert irvine is uh that guy's no joke um i mean he is uh 
you know, I don't get starstruck, but I'm pretty sure I'd have to stick <laughs> two around him. And I don't know if I, if, especially if he had that sledgehammer in his hand when we were talking. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So if he's got his hand in there, then I can't imagine it not being a great decision for restaurants. Yeah, great stuff. So great. Um, all right, man. I, those are pretty much all the questions. Now I was going to ask you if you could go back in time and, you know, find that version of yourself in 1992 and just drop one piece of business advice on your past self, what would it be? Oh, I, it's, it's easy. It's easy for me. It's uh, hey kid, restaurant tours are like the last dinosaur at the La Brea tar pit. You will be an operator. Mm-hmm. So take all of that glitz and glam from the 1950s and sixties and what have you, and understand that those people are amazing human beings, but you will never do it without having individuals over your shoulder. The system isn't set up for you to try to do it by yourself. Mm. That would be my number one piece of advice. Awesome advice. The next question I have, the last question is, what's one question I could have asked you to make this interview better? I think that, uh, I think that the only question that you would have asked would have been, what are, you know, for me, and I get asked this all the time, is, you know, uh, what do you see as the profile for the best operating restaurants uh, in, you know, for, for like for me, for my client base, like what, you know, cause people always want a magic bullet. And when they come in, they'll ask me, you know, what should I be doing? Mm-hmm. And they always want, you know, people love lists, Eric, yeah. what are the top five things that I could be doing that, that restaurants should be doing to, to be successful? What is that list? I mean, what is that profile? If you could answer it, <laughs> I knew that was coming when yeah. I asked, <laughs> uh, I think uh, here's what I tell everybody. All right. It used to be location, 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 right? That was every book was always that way. Well, that's, that's done, man. Home Depot's on everybody's street corner now, right? Yep. So now it's, now it's management, management, crappy concept, right? <laughs> you own a vegan wine bar, your racing day is over, right? Yeah. So I think number one, understanding that you've got, you know, the top five things you can do is, is have great management tools, Number two, be consistent in the application of those management tools. Number three, make sure that you understand your brand. And I don't mean understand it because you love vegan cooking and you love hot, really expensive wine and you think it's a great idea. But understand your brand because you've, you've checked with the, the, the consumers that are out there. You've checked for the need of your brand and how you can best service them. Number four, make sure you're, you're always living in a good triangle balance of making decisions that are good for the guests, good for the team, and making money. And number five, Remember, remember who the people are in your life that are most important to you and never, ever forsake those individuals. Always make sure that you're, that they are your inner circle. They are your compass. They are your support system and they are your strength, right? Anybody sitting on the other side of the bar that you're about ready to pour a JML for and not charge them is not that person. Awesome stuff, man. So valuable. Such an incredible interview. Uh, I just want to pull one little piece of nugget out of you. Give us some bullet points of what management tools are, just to be specific. Management tools are any tool that you are going to use that is going to allow you to better take care of your guest, to allow you to better take care of your team members, and allow you to make decisions that are going to improve your profit. That's it in a nutshell. Awesome. Great stuff. Matt, man, you've been so incredible this interview. I, we're we're going to wrap it up now. I'm so grateful I had this time with you. But we're going to wrap it up by having you call somebody out. Who's one indie restaurant professional or professionals you admire and think would make great guest mentors on the show like you have? Well, these guys have got a lot of press. And um, and I think that for the right reasons, um, I mean, I'm going to give you a twofer. Okay. All right. 
Uh, there's there's a, there's a gentleman out of Colorado. Uh, his name is Josh Wolken. He owns Vesta Steubens and Ace. Um, he's built three incredible brands, um, and he's you know uh, just he, great way of taking care of the guest. Great way of taking care of the community. He does a lot of charitable stuff. Um, you know, he seems to uh, – he's got a cadre of managers that all are as passionate about the business as he is. Uh, and he's just hes just now started to do some work with another incredible guy named Adam Schlegel, um, who he and his brother started a company called Snooze, uh, which is now just blown up. And so these two guys are uh, – they're, they're doing some work together and really some great stuff down here. Well, that was uh, Josh Walken and Adam Schlegel. Yep. All right, guys, look out. I'm coming after you. And uh, how can we connect with you? How can we uh, pick up the conversation? Do you have a Twitter handle, maybe a, an email? Or what's the best way to, to get and connect with you? The best way to get to me is you get to my website, uh, restact.com. Uh, get into the website, and you, you can find me on there. It's matt at restact.com. Beautiful. If you guys have any questions, I'll have those links right there for you, his contact information, and uh, we'll have links to everything we discuss in the show notes. Just go to Restaurant Unstoppable slash Nat Vanini, and that's V-A-N-N-I-N-I. Uh, we'll have that, all these these uh, recap of uh, the discussion, the links there. Uh, man, Matt, you've been unstoppable. There's no question in that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to, to be a guest mentor here on the show. Now, hats off to you. I think what you've put together is pretty amazing and uh, <laughs> Thank you so and, much. and actually unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So thanks for uh, allowing me to have the opportunity to be a part of it. I really appreciate it, Eric. It's been a journey. Thank you. Until next time, man. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And, man, I've been so lucky these past few episodes because that was just another amazing one. Getting some great guests. All my guests are great, but you know what I mean. These past few have really just been blowing us away. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. I mean, just so many great little nuggets in there with today's guest. Uh, if you guys can think of any great guests or somebody who's a, a restaurant professional in your community, uh, somebody you guys all look up to, shoot me an email, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com or Facebook or Twitter and just get at me. You know how to do it. And uh, I'm always looking for those new next guests and new topics, so don't be shy. And uh, I guess that's all I got for you today. Until next time, peace out.